Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Chris Parnell, co-founder and chief commercial officer of Kairos Group, the global gaming media group connecting businesses to gamers. We're back next Saturday with my next business shaper, Chris Parnell, co-founder and chief commercial officer of Kairos Group, the global gaming media group connecting businesses to gamers. While on a business degree work placement with IBM, Chris realised, as he says, I never wanted to work for anybody ever again. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I just hated being told what to do. He'd already been creating content for the popular YouTube channel, Machinima Respawn, and together with childhood friend Mike Craddock, a professional gamer and YouTuber competing in the Call of Duty franchise, Chris saw an opportunity. Dissatisfied with poorly filmed, inauthentic brand adverts on social media, Chris and Mike felt they could ask their gaming friends with large social media followings to promote the brands directly. Kairos, meaning in ancient Greek, I'm sure you know this, the right moment, was founded by Chris and Mike in 2015 using 80 quid of Chris's student tuition funds to launch the entire company. And by the way, that was their only funding until May this year. Kairos Group now sits over five brands with a team of over 115 social experts across the UK, Europe and the USA and high profile client brands including KFC, Revolut and Porsche. It's great to have you here. Really, really good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. I meet many young people. You're ridiculously young. I know that age is not important, but you started this business at the tender age of about 21. Yes, 21. The beginning of my final year of university. So, Did yeah. you finish the degree as well? I did. You did? Yeah, good I man. did. Good man. Aston. It was. A fine, the fine place of Aston. And the gaming world, tell me firstly actually Kairos, what does Kairos do in your own words? So Kairos is a social media agency, a talent management group, and also a creative business all at the same time. Um, so we work with social media influencers, we do creative campaigns, data and insights, strategy, all with a view to how do brands show up and create memorable moments on social media. Um, that's, that's really the, the crux of our business. We're based in London, Manchester, New York, as you said, around 140 people now around the world. So, yeah, we've come a long way from my uh, dorm room and Mike's garden shed. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun journey. I mean, we hear about dorm rooms and garden sheds and, you know, obviously we, I always think about a um, small business called Apple and, and we've seen a number of films about that. What's the reality like in those days, 21 years old, still studying, and then here we are, you know, eight years later. What's the reality of those first moments, those first steps of actually saying, do you know what, I'm going to do this? So as you sort of said, I, I start the business with Mike with literally nothing. Um, we, we sort of two guys from Nottinghamshire with a dream to come and make it big with, with the agency world. And uh, Was that really the dream though? I mean, you, you just say it like, it, you know, now the way you just describe it, it's perfect. You've got all the pieces. Of, but at that point, were you going, I'm going to create an agency? It was, it, well, it originally started as a talent management business. And then we obviously progressed into becoming an agency. Um, but we always had the same objective to build something that we're proud of. Like that's day one and now day, God knows what we're on now, eight years later, it's, it's the same. It's to build something we're proud of and to do work that we're proud to to put out as well. To answer your question around the, the, the beginning, it was, I, I did a degree in business computing and IT. So I had some understanding of, of business, some understanding of technology, built a website, 
the £80 was a template, it was a domain hosting, and it was a business card template uh, to look professional. Um, so I just built it from my dorm room, templated it out, made ourselves look professional, and then, yeah, got a business card that said uh, Chris Parnell, co-founder and chief commercial officer, and eight years later, again, I'm, I'm here I am. So it's, uh, it's the same. And day two, what were you selling, Chris, to the world? So we were YouTubers ourselves. You know, our friends were uh, social media content creators, so we ultimately matched friends and brands, um, brands and friends, I guess, ultimately, who were some of the largest content creators to promote their businesses. And it was a simple case of, we know that our friends want to work with the brands, we know the brands want to work with our friends, let's make this happen. And we then started representing social media influencers and navigating how do they ultimately secure commercial deals. Uh, we took a commission and uh, yeah, we, we sort of grew and grew and we actually spent the first two years of the business with no staff, just me and Mike living in our dorm room, garden sheds, just doing a really good job. And then we thought, actually, yeah, let's, uh, let's make this into a real company back in about 2017. So realistically, we've only been growing since about 2017. The bit with the, and then we, you know, we connected brands with friends. So you're a 21-year-old and then 22, 23 and so on and so forth. You say it as if it just happened. How does a, a band of two people with no track record, no credibility, winging it with business cars that make them look like they're something. How do they get into the biggest brands in the world to convince them they should come and use the services of said company? Uh, a lot of luck, a lot of confidence in terms of what we were doing. And, and I think as well, like we saw at the time in 2015 uh, when we started, influencer marketing was only just starting out. It wasn't even really a, a thing. You know, now influencer marketing is the hot topic on, on the press. You know, you look at esports and gaming, it's all these hot topics. We started actually before the wave even really happened. So when we were starting to talk to these brands about, hey, our friends, content creators who can promote your brand and they can put it on YouTube videos and Instagram posts. And it was like, wow, this amazing new thing, which was not actually that surprising to us. But to a lot of the brands we were speaking to back in 2015, it was it was a thing. And again, like we've grown the business through the waves of of these things becoming so so relevant and so popular. Because, you know, we still are, in the scheme of the agency world, of a very small business, but managing to cut through. And we have since the beginning, and we, we still intend to do now. And that love of gaming that you both have, you still have it? You still Are you still on there? Or is it more like now you're the professional who's running a business which happens to be in the world of gaming? I, I, I dabble um, occasionally. I, I got the new Call of Duty seven days ago, whatever it was. So that's that's the latest you know, attention scoop, but uh, it's attention scoop when, when the, the workday allows, which is not very regularly, I'm afraid. Uh, but, but your days when you were a content creator and you look at, I, I, I went on and dabbled myself in machinima respawn, yep. that's how you said it, good. I mean, it's highly addictive, says me, the 53-year-old. Recently, the 53-year-old is feeling even older now, but it's it's incredibly immersive. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. I was I was talking to my cousin who's been in the world of gaming for 40 years, and remembering the days when I was going and playing with with new things, it's, I mean, it has just grown to a point where, as I mentioned in the intro, it's the largest and most valuable asset around in entertainment. Do you still feel connected to it in terms of where it's going? Because I know your business has to adapt to trends. I mean, how do you ensure that your connectedness enables you to see and surf the trend that's coming around the corner? Good question. Yeah, I mean... Do we feel connected to it? I mean, yes, that's that's the core pillar of our business is ultimately helping brands to navigate what's next, what are the new, most interesting forms of of talking to consumers on social. And, and you know, why is, is gaming, why is live streaming so addictive, so interesting? It's, it's the consumption of visual content, but the ability to be able to talk one-on-one -on -one with, with somebody that you see as, as a famous individual. You know, 
you rewind to the era of, of you know people watching Tom Hanks movies, right? You know, they would watch the movie and they would walk out the cinema and, and that's it. They've got no interaction with the individual in starring. I guess the, the way I see live streaming and, and content creation is that it's a one-on-one interaction or, you know, arguably one-on-many, but still... You ask a question in that chat, the content creator will reply to you and will ultimately interact back with you and have that dialogue. There's also this cultural piece around individuals who who are Gen Z, who are millennials and, and Gen Alpha as well. Specifically with Gen Alpha, the number one job that they want to be when they grow up is now an influencer. Mm. So it's kind of this cultural piece of they are the celebrities of tomorrow. And if you can have a one-on-one interaction with the celebrities of tomorrow, that's very powerful. How do we stay ahead of it? I mean, you know, we've hired some very smart people. Yes, we are the founders, but the company would be nothing without the people that make it what it is today. Some some of the best creatives and strategists, etc. And I was going to ask you about that actually. That you're, you know, employee number one. I mm. mean, number three if you include the two of you. How did you ensure that it began in the right place? Because that's hard. Again, you're young, you're quote unquote inexperienced. What do you know? Well, if you're, you know, sort of if you're doing the business, and who cares how old you are? How did you get that right? And have you continued to get it right? I think, I think we started at the right time in terms of the way the market was moving, um, 100%. I mean, again, before influencer marketing really flew in arguably 2017 onwards, before gaming and esports became such a hot topic. And I think you mentioned it's bigger than film. Well, funny enough, it's actually bigger than music and film combined. If you t- attach both industries, gaming is still bigger. Mm. So we are at the forefront of one of the hottest properties in the world, and we are one of the biggest gaming agencies in the world. And admittedly, we've diversified outside of that, and we now do bigger strategies for a number of very large FMCG brands around their social and creative and influencer outside of gaming, but it allows us to keep our finger on the pulse around what is next. But I think it is, we still have that startup mentality of we always want to try and be ahead of our competitors, be ahead of what is coming from others in the industry. So I think it's really just that relentless pursuit of, of what is next and, and how to keep our clients ahead of that. Stay with me for much more from my business shaper today. It's Chris Barnell, co-founder of the Kairos Group. They're rather big in the world of gaming. He'll be coming back in a couple of minutes. Right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishkondrea and MDRX's Tom Grogan talk about Web 3.0, the next iteration of the internet, and what businesses and individuals need to be thinking about when formulating their Web 3 strategies and pursuing valuable, impactful projects. Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. How can the metaverse help businesses find efficiencies? It's about figuring out what needs to be done in the real world versus the digital world. So one of the the big trends and, and buzzwords that's often taken alongside the metaverse is the notion of a digital twin. Digital twins are basically digital replicas of otherwise physical goods. And we're seeing organizations, especially through the the retail and the manufacturing industries, use these digital replicas, these digital twins, to help them model and improve and iterate on their products before they manufacture them. That has all sorts of benefits from a sustainability perspective as well, because it produces physical waste. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
You can, of course, find all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast, and you can hear this very program again, if you like, by popping Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. We're so neutral here, aren't we? My guest today is Chris Parnell. He's the co-founder and chief commercial officer, good title, made up from when he was 21, of the Kairos Group, the global gaming media group. This desire to become an entrepreneur, this thing about saying, I don't want anyone, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do, were you a very rebellious young child, Chris, is that where it really started? And was it just articulated when you were, you know, a bit later on in your life? Not necessarily. I mean, I'm very privileged that I had a great upbringing. I've got amazing parents, love them very dearly. And, and, you know, they've, I would say, raised me well. Um, But I I sort of was following a very traditional path of you do your GCSE, you do your A-level, you go to university, you get a job and you work in corporate. And... um, you're describing my life. Stop it. Well, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's the route that I was originally taking, right? Yeah. And hence the you know, two-year degree, one year out in industry, uh, working with IBM. I was like, I'm going to love this. It's going to be great. Um, and yeah, didn't love it quite so much. Uh, had a bit of a problem around, uh, you know, I, I thought I knew a lot about this, this world, this evolving industry of, of technology and creative. And it was always hitting on the ceiling of, of you know, levels above me. Did you know a lot, though, with hindsight, do you think? Absolutely not. No, no. no. I, I Just a, a young, cocky 21-year-old who thought, well, 20-year-old, who thought he knew a lot. Um, but uh, no, it, it was very much the case of just wanting that freedom to be able to express and try new things and, and you know, learn and fail and adapt, which working in corporate didn't really, in my opinion, allow. So entrepreneurship was the, sort of the next logical route. And learning, failing and adapting eight years in, is that still your mantra? Yeah, I mean, we sort of take a message or a sort of an approach, I suppose, of how do we make sure we do as many things as possible, learn from them and pick the ones that really work. So if we try eight new things in a year, you know, seven of them might fail, but one of them will stand out and will really accelerate us to become the biggest and the best in the industry. And that's what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, as I said, entrepreneurship wasn't natural to me. I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. It's just been a process of learning and you know, trying and, and making sure that I can be the best that I can be and learning from some great mentors as well. Does it worry you that you'll get good at spotting what may or may not work and then you'll stop really pushing the edges? Because when you know nothing, nothing is off limits. When you start to know stuff, then you sort of go, hold on a minute. Oh, no, hold on. We tried that in 2021 and it didn't quite work. Has that occurred to you on this journey? I mean, it, it's easy to fall into what works and what's safe, no doubt. And trust me, I've, I've, I've seen that. But we're in an industry that's moving so quickly, that's adapting so much that, you know, new platforms are springing up every day. A new creator is, is, is ultimately starting their career on, on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or whatever to become competitive in, in what is a competitive industry. Advertising is one of the most competitive industries in the world. To remain competitive, we have to keep that mentality of, and I think it's sort of Amazon's policy of, you know, day one, right? It's kind of, and I think we've kind of tried to be not quite that extreme, but a, a, an adaptation of that around how do we make sure that we are uh, just trying all the time. And does that give you energy or does it sort of sap it a bit? Because, you know, I love to create and if I'm up for it, then the day is full of creations and pushing it a bit and surprising and hearing surprising things going, that's what we should do. On other days when I'm not so up for it, it's like, it's actually kind of exhausting because you go can't we just stop for a bit? Have you had any of those, yeah, this is great, but just for a little bit, could we just not do anything? 
Yes, absolutely. And um, the fun fact is that the Kairos Group, I believe, if last count, is around 13 companies within our holdings company. Uh, so, yes, there's there's evidence there around trying, failing, refocusing around that. And, and it's... <laughs> It's difficult to sort of say. I mean, I think that's that's the historic track record of trying multiple different things, but we have clearly found the three, four things that we do really well. One, agency. Two, talent. Three, media business. And four, we have an esports team as well. So we do a few different things, but we, we do them well. And uh, But, that you know, next year, when the world stabilizes a bit with the recession and, uh, you know, inflation, et cetera, hopefully... I think we want to get back to really experimenting again. But for now, I think we're, we're fairly fairly happy where we are. He's going to be at it again in 2024. Watch out. Mike Craddock is your co-founder. He is not here. He's very different to you. Does that work really well? Is diversity a good thing in a tight partnership? Yeah, I mean, we are, to your point, the definition of polar opposites. But I would say equally yin and yang. Um, there are clients that... I work really well with, there are clients that Mike works really well with, and, and you know, sometimes there are clients we both work really well with. Uh, but equally, like, I think when we started the business, we quite quickly understood what each other's speciality or skill sets were. Mine was very commercial sales. I, I was very strong in terms of articulating a message to a new prospect and getting them bought into what we're trying to do or what the vision for their business is. Um, I'm not so great at the vision setting for the business. Um, I'm not so great at the HR, the finance, that kind of thing. So Mike is our CEO. Um, he, he took that sort of burden, for lack of a better word. I mean, it is a burden to become the CEO of a business, especially on the growth trajectory that we've been on. And you know, he, he's led it from, from, the, from the front on doing that and oversees multiple different departments, multiple different teams. I, I contribute and I input into that, but I have my my area that I'm very happy with, which is commercial, and, and I work, again, very, very close with Mike about how that all comes together. And uh, we've just recently brought in a new board director as well. So the three of us very actively contribute and collaborate to based on different skill sets. I think it takes quite a lot of maturity to recognize what you're good at and what you're not, and quite hard not to be... Jealous is the wrong word, but you can kind of look at someone and go, wow, they're just really good at that. That makes me feel not so good. doesn't look like that's happened to you. Is, no, that, is that a fair comment? I mean, you feel, you feel like for, for, again, apologies, for a young person, you feel like you've got to a place which many people don't get to. Do you think that's the secret of the success of the business or one of them, in that you identify that in yourself and you then enable the team around you to do exactly the same thing? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're very much in sort of the mindset of empowering the team to do what they are better at than us. Um, there's the old saying, right, hire people that are better than you. Um, it's obvious as anything, but... You know, we have an amazing strategy director, Mark Bellamy, who is leading that strategy function. We have, you know, Ross Crump, who's leading our US team, and he's phenomenal in terms of creative and strategy and, and building that strategy for our New York team, etc. So I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a phase where I said, why can't I just be good at everything? Why can't I just do absolutely everything in this business? But, you know, eight years in, as I said, you learn, you adapt, you you mm. evolve. And, uh, and that's what I think I've sort of been through as well. And it is a, it is a bit of a self-reflection piece as well. You touched on something you're good at, which is this, I guess, what you would call sales, which is essentially contextualizing a proposition so that a client buys it. Lots of people that go into business may have an instinct on how to do it, but may not actually know how to to actually sort of institutionalize it. Just give me a sense of how you manage to come up with a proposition which lands 
where you're selling what you've got to a client and you're giving the client what they need. Because that is at the core of any growth strategy of any business, but most businesses aren't able to actually do that. Tell me what you do that makes that happen. Honestly, it's, it's, it's really hard to contextualize. It's almost like secret source stuff, right? It's kind of like what what makes you tick and how, how do you work? And I, and I think every single salesperson maybe would say a, a different thing, but mine is really just listening. I, I don't want to be the loudest voice in the room when I'm trying to ultimately sell, for lack of a better word. I, I want to understand what is the problem? What is the challenge? What is really going on in your business right now? And how can we build something that is compelling for you? Um, it's, I, I don't walk in with here's the 50 things we can do for you. It's social, it's creative, it's content, it's all these amazing things that, yes, we can do all those things, but it's more what is actually going on in their business. What do they want to do this year, next year, and in three years' time, and then build something that they're going to be interested in and on board with, I guess. that's. And do you train people in this, Chris? I mean, do they, or do they, do they through osmosis, watch you at, at doing what you do and then just kind of learn themselves and get on with it? It's somewhat of both. I mean, there is there is a bit of osmosis, I'd, I'd say. I mean, we've we've had some very successful years in terms of commercial performance and, and, and growth. And, and again, you know, from £80 startup to where we are now and, and the team size we are and the number of offices, et cetera, we, we've obviously demonstrated that we, I'd say, we, we know what we're talking about, right? Um, and I think sales colleagues have learned from, from seeing that. Um, but equally, I, I like to spend time with our, our sellers and, and work with them and nurture them. And we have a brilliant upcoming seller, uh, Lewis Cardew. Again, he's brought in some phenomenal, phenomenal clients this year and stuff that I didn't even know about he brought in and it's amazing to see. Stay with me for my final chat my guest there. It's Chris Parnell and we've also got some go-go penguin for you. That's in just a moment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Chris Parnell is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. The thing I get from you, you're incredibly generous about your team, the way you, you know, you literally, there's a shout out for this one and, and all that. What would they say about you, Chris? Because you're very generous about them. How would they, do you think, if they were describing Chris, their leader, what what sorts of adjectives would they be using? Uh, I, I would say tenacious uh, is probably the, the biggest thing and, and doesn't know how to give up uh, is the other thing. And I think that's the, the common trait of any, any seller, right? It's kind of the, I will... I will make sure that I speak to as many people as possible in the room and, and, and you know, um, get to know uh, as many people in the room as I possibly can do as, as a way to ultimately form new relationships. And, and I'll say I'm, I'm pretty good at building new new relationships as well. So, you know, tenacious, strong at building relationships. And, yeah, really doesn't have that sort of stop or give up mentality. We'll always push for next and, and best and, and what's, what's, what's to come. I don't get a big sense of ego either with you. Where does the humility, maybe too big a word, um, I'm not saying you're not humble, but where, where does that lack of focus on your own ego come from? Is that something from the way you were brought up? Is that just knowing that you can't do a bunch of stuff? What, what's that about, do you think? I mean, yeah, I, again, I had a, a phenomenal upbringing, so I, I can maybe accredit some of it. Your parents are going to love you after this, by the way. <laughs> literally. I mean, you are so in the will. I, so, uh, I hope so. Let's see. But, um, <laughs> that's a very good point. Uh, but uh, check, check afterwards. Yeah, check afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I think it's building the business. You have your rises and your falls, right? And we've had amazing years. We've had bad years, and and it really does humble you. It sort of makes you realise you are not king. You are not sort of overlord of everything. And when the toughest moments happen, you really come together and you pull together as a team, and you really try and get through them. And you realise really it's. The company is not you. The company is not me, myself, and I, and, and Mike, and, and, and that's it. It's, it's about the people around you that you can lean into and go, 
help us with this problem or this challenge or this thing, whatever it is. And a business faces 50 challenges a day and they vary in different complexity and, and level of, of problematicness for, for the business. And, and I've, I'm very privileged to be around some great people who, who solve difficult challenges for our clients and put up really good work. I think every business owner has some level of an ego around, I'm, I'm really proud of what I've built, but I, I want to try and make sure that those around me are brought up with it as well. And in terms of the building, you've got to this point, you've got this group, you've got some serious traction, some really big client names. What If I was chatting to you in three years or in five years, what would we be talking about? What would you have done by then, do you reckon? Well, there's some there's some very exciting news coming out at the end of the year, which I'm unfortunately not able to say just yet. Um, but I would say that... You almost heard it here al- first. Al- almost. Almost. It's almost an exclusive. God, that was that was close to being super exciting, but he didn't give it away. Yeah, so eight years of... Um, Eight years of, of sort of tenacity has got us to this point, and next year we we sort of take that rocket fuel to go to the next level and uh, and really expansion, bigger team, really cool new projects with clients that have just been signed off. So there's there's a lot more to come, a lot more to come. Well, and, his eyes uh, have just lit up, by the way. So this it's is exciting. It's very exciting. You better you better look up the Kairos Group in the new year. Listen, it's been great talking to you. Um, I've really enjoyed it, and and thank you. And good luck with the next phase. It does sound um, like something big is in the offing. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice, and why have you chosen it? It's uh, Nat King Cole, L O V E, and uh, it sort of just rings to my childhood. It's uh, it's a movie that came out in 1998 called The Parent Trap. And it is the opening sequence of said parent trap. And uh, it's, I think I've watched that movie probably 30 times plus. I don't know why. I don't know why I love it so much. It's just great. And uh, that is the opening, opening song. L-O-V-E from Nat King Cole. The song choice of my business shaper today, Chris Parnell. He talked about continuing to try multiple things. That is what the journey is about as an entrepreneur. You've got to try stuff. He talked about listening a lot as the secret to his success in selling. And I think that must be right. And finally, and I love this, he said, you are not king. That admission that whilst things are going well, you may think it's all down to you, but actually things are going to go badly sometimes as well. And you're not always in control. Really good stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.